Welcome back in listeners to a fantastic new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by three incredible artists who are all a part of the recent production of Company of Man. We're joined by the playwright and director Ashley M. Coles, the assistant director Robert Manning Jr., and the performer Jake Blakesley. Ashley, Rob, Jake, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. So happy to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We're so Thank excited. you for having us. Thank you. This is a wonderful show, and I am so disappointed in us that we didn't get to see it. Unfortunately, when the show was running over at the New York Theater Festival, there was just some overlap with our schedule, but it was a wonderful show, heard wonderful things about it. And I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to now have all of you on the show to talk more about it. And I want to start with you, Ashley, as the playwright. Could you tell us a little bit more about what Company of Man is? Absolutely. Yeah. So Company of Man is a full-length play that centers two storylines. One is modern, one is historical, one is golden aged. And both storylines are based on true stories and both explore these sort of alternative manifestations of anti-queer prejudice. So the modern storyline follows these two college roommates, Mark, played by Jake here, who is an aspiring musician, and Joe, who is a basketball player, whilst they sort of grapple with their identities shared romantic feelings and sexual trauma. And the other storyline follows 20th century composer Benjamin Britten and his life partner, Peter Pears, as they sort of worked their way through navigating their careers and what was a then criminal relationship at that time. And both storylines sort of entwine to teach audiences the importance of love in the face of violence. Wow, that's a lot, <laughs> you know, but that's incredible. So. What inspired you? Where did you come up with the idea to, to write this show? So in December of 2021, a close friend of mine was sexually assaulted. And, and so we were roommates. We were living together at the time. And I was there for, you know, that initial fallout and, and a lot of the aftermath. And, you know, that's it's an incredibly humbling experience. There's it's it's just terrible. There's there's really there's nothing worse than seeing someone that you care about in in a position like that. So I started writing what became the Mark and Joe storyline in sort of desperate effort to make sense of all of that. And a year later, I had a one act. The one act was called Like a Girl. And this was just the modern storyline at the time. So I had that and I, I sort of danced around, you know, a reading or a second draft and nothing really stuck. So at some point I read this really great play. It's called Skin by Ana Maria Guerzon. That's up on New Play Exchange. And the play jumps from two separate storylines. One is modern, one is historical. The historical is a true story. It's inspired by the story of an indigenous person with these very intricate tattoos. And the modern storyline is a fictional one about women of color learning to tattoo. And I really, I loved that play. I loved the way the two storylines sort of work together. And there were already some references to Britain in pairs and like a girl around that time. So that sort of sparked this larger dive into queer history and led me to this expansive, you know, storyline between Benjamin and Peter. And that sort of redefined the goals of, of what the play was. So what started out as this, you know, honest attempt to honor the experiences of one queer person became, you know, this effort to, you know, reveal the, the greater struggles faced by our community throughout history. So another year goes by and I had Company of Man. And here we are. That is fantastic. Wow. 
Now, you all just recently completed a production of the show, Company Man, via the New York Theater Festival, which we mentioned in our intro. And I want to ask all of you, what was that like? I guess we should start with you, Ashley, as the director and the playwright. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I mean... I, there are no words. It was, it was such a great experience. You know, the friend that I wrote it for, and you know, he had read it and he was, you know, a huge fan and he was able to see it. He saw it twice. So that, you know, kind of being my priority and, you know, the goals of writing the play. And it was just an amazing opportunity. And I'm so grateful to the festival for giving me the tools to be able to, you know, give that to him. But I mean, it, it, it's the first play that I've written on my own and published. So I mean, it was certainly a confidence boost (laughs) and, you know, it was, it was, it was great in that way, totally selfishly, but, you know, above all of that, it was extremely educational. I'm an actor. I went to acting school. Rob actually was a professor of mine (laughs) back in early 2020. So, you know, getting to see things from the other side and take on the role of director and producer and casting director, it was, you know, it was really, really educational. I learned so, so much, but you know, getting to know Jake and working with Rob and, you know, the other members of our cast and team, it was just, it really was a fantastic, fantastic, uh, fantastic experience. And the post-show depression hit very hard (laughs) when we were finished. And I think this is a good opportunity to bring on one of those performers. Jake, tell us about your experience developing the show and and, and the the recent production. Yeah, I had such a wonderful time. I remember I think Ashley posted the uh, audition notice on Playbill. And I remember I was trolling it one day, looking for auditions. And I saw that one and, you know, read the description and the sides posted. And I was like, I I definitely, I'm going to do this. I need to do this. I think it came out of a great place in my life. Um, I'm so happy to be a part of it. And I loved working with every single cast and crew member, which I feel is a big plus and lucky to be able to say that because I can definitely say there's some experience, some projects where that has not been the case. And yeah, I really loved, we rehearsed, I think for about four weeks, which was a great amount of time. I feel like that was long enough to really lock things in place, but not make it too, you know, stale. And yeah, I had a wonderful time. Amazing. And Rob, you, you are the assistant director in all of this, you know? What was it like developing the show and working with the show and, and kind of helping to steer the ship with this? Well, you know, I, I, as Ashley mentioned, Ashley was a student of mine in college. And so I knew Ashley and we also, you know, where I teach, we do a, it's called studio workshop where students can bring in their own material and then rehearse it for a couple of weeks and put it up and perform it. And so I knew Ashley well in that way because Ashley was not only a great student, but also I knew Ashley was a writer. Many people don't know she's a a very accomplished singer. And so, you know, during that process, studio workshop, she put up this, this piece. It was just, you know, a scene from, from a piece that she had written. And, and so I was, I was very enamored with, with the work and I was, I was proud of the work. So when she called me, to see if I would I would help out with this, I was more than happy to say yes. And, you know, I should mention that, you know, I was also extremely busy, which I communicated to Ashley. And I said, you know, I could, I could help as much as I can, but I'm not going to be able to be there every day or during the casting process. And we're blessed to have Jake because I think early on, everyone in the casting room knew or recognized that Jake was the right person for this. And so, you know, Ashley just, I don't know. All I can say is I was there to help and to advise and Ashley took the reins and, and ran with it. It's a, it's a wonderful play. I encourage people to read it as soon as they can. 
That's <laughs> wonderful, wonderful words. Ashley, let me start by asking, how long have you been working on this show? I think it's a little over two years at this point. I started writing the one act, Like a Girl, in 2021. That was the Mark and Joe side of things. That was published in 2022. And the kind of Ben and Peter storyline came into play. And Company of Man was published, I think, four or five days before I had submitted and was accepted to the New York Theater Festival in early January. So that was kind of, you know right at the front there. And we began rehearsing for that early May, like Jake was saying. And our show, our debut performance was at the end of May, early June. And yeah, here we are. So about two years. Yeah. Jake, you played the role of Mark. What was it like developing this character in the debut premiere of this work? Yeah, it was it was really fun. You know, as we said before, a lot of this was created and rooted in real life experiences that Ashley and her friend roommate had. And so Mark was built out of one of those people. And so I think something I was kind of intimidated about when I, you know, found that out was that there was so much truth and real life and a lot of the lines that were said and situations are verbatim. And so it was a kind of intimidating to make sure to honor those things, but at the same time, bring myself to it and to all the, you know, fictitious events that happen in the play. I kind of want to build on that thought a little bit, Jake, because you had a similar challenge in portraying the lived experience of Ashley and her close friends. So what was that like? Yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun. I had a lot of great conversations with Ashley as we started the process of you know, wanting to honor her friend and herself and these experiences she went through. And at the same time, you know, bringing myself to the part and finding ways to inject the things that make up me into Mark. It's amazing. And I mean, just such a heavy experience to have to delve into and, and portray while also not crossing that line, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we also had a great intimacy director we got to work with who gave us a lot of tips and tools to really, I think one of the biggest ones was working with Joe, played by Jack. And we had every rehearsal when we did something that had to do with, you know, physical touch or even just taking on these really challenging emotional scenes was checking in and out after each rehearsal, you know, we're, just, we're clocking in on the job. I got to make sure to clock out after not bringing the baggage home. And I really, I had my, my little process after we rehearsed in Midtown and I had like five blocks of the subway. So I had my like little hype playlist that I would play after in my after rehearsal snack to kind of, you know, decompress after all of those things. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear because that is an ongoing conversation very much as of late in the theater about how can actors, what are we providing to actors to take them to those vulnerable places, but also make sure that we can bring them back to a safer place, not just be like, great, you hit that mark, now let's move on. We've got to provide that safety, that safe pathway, both to and from those places. So I'm so happy to hear that 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 was put in place and you had those, those avenues. Rob, I wanted to ask you while we're talking about the development. Ashley mentioned that she was originally a student of yours. What was it like working together as peers this time? Well, this is, I guess we didn't say that this is kind of the second time because we were working on something, a short film prior to this. And so, again, real familiar with the process. And, you know, as peers, I just remember, I think we're a lot alike, because one thing I remember when Ashley was a student, that Ashley was tough. And I'm tough. And what I mean by that is I'm tough when I have 
something that I want to happen, I make sure that it happens. And Ashley is the same type of person. And so it's very easy to work with someone that's similar to you in that way. You know, Ashley has a way to go about the work and then she is going to make sure that work gets done in the way that it needs to get done. And so, so that, that was easy. We're planning on collaborating on something after this. And so, again, you know, when you find somebody that's like-minded and that's dedicated and wants to get the work done, I think you latch on to that and you make sure to support them in the way you can. And then you end up supporting each other. I've also learned a lot during this process. So it wasn't, I don't want to, you know, because I'm older doesn't mean that I still don't have a lot to learn. And so, you know, the story was fascinating. I had, I knew nothing about Benjamin Britten. And so learning that story and then learning how we always talk about inter intersectionality and how things intersect, how those stories still intersect is enlightening and even somewhat troubling. Ashley, mm -hmm. you wrote this incredible story this incredibly powerful story. Thank you. <laughs> what is the message or the thought you're hoping that the audiences are going to leave with? It's tough because there are, there are a few things I think that would apply to this play. I think that, you know, of course, the play originated with goals of, of healing and, you know, how that relates to the survivor community. But I think with, with the addition of, of the Benjamin and Peter storyline, it took on a a more educational value. And I think education is extremely important. And I mean, I, I honestly, I find it appalling that we're taught about people like Britain. I, Rob was saying, you know, he knew of Britain, didn't know the side of Britain. You know, we're taught about people like Britain, but we, we're not receiving, you know, those parts of their history. And there's a lot that young people aren't, aren't taught in school. And we're seeing a very political battle in that way right now. And, you know, I understand we don't have time for everything, but a majority of queer history isn't taught. And that's that's an intentional choice, very intentional choice. And that's censorship. And that can be, you know, that can be really dangerous. There's a reference to Alan Turing in the play. And Alan Turing was British mathematician. He saved many lives during World War II. I think it was estimated over 14 million. You know, he had massive contributions in that way. But Turing was gay. And Turing lived at around the same time as Benjamin and Peter, hence why, you know, his his name kind of came into question. And at the time, homosexuality was criminalized. It was against the law in England and Wales. And in 52, Turing was accused of and convicted of, it was, you know, referred to as gross indecency at that point. And he accepted really brutal form of, of punishment there called chemical castration. And you can just imagine what goes into that. <laughs> and he committed suicide two years later. He was 41. And when I learned about Alan Turing in school, and I did, I learned about his contributions to World War II. And I learned about, you know, how he impacted, you know, our, our modern day technology. And I didn't learn about how he died. And that's huge. That part, you know, that part was intentionally left out. And it's hard not to see that as an intentional choice. You know, I had to watch Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch to learn about that side of him. And that's a great movie. But as a young queer person, you know, I realized seeing that movie like, oh, my God, this is huge. This was a huge part of his life. And I was intentionally denied what was a really critical part of, you know, what became my history. And and young people are so easily influenced. and. So, you know, when when there's so much ignorance out there and and misinformation and propaganda, and if kids don't have this sort of educational structure to stand on, it's really easy to, you know, adopt the wrong mindset and join, you know, the wrong side there. All of that to say, 
I, you know, I really hope that my work can educate and I, you know, I'm a big fan of imitation game and I would like to do, you know, for, for other young queer people, what imitation game did for me. And that's not a solution, you know, and I'll, I'll continue to fight for inclusive curricula, but that's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> I would like to use my platform to, to, you know, fill those, those educational gaps. And I think that the Ben and Peter storyline really serves that goal of, you know, here's what was left out. And here's these years and decades and centuries of this beautiful human connection between two people, you know, regardless of the specifics of that. And, you know, when it does come to the specifics there, how does this impact our community now? How are we, you know, seeing these reflected similarities in, in this, you know, massive war that's going on today between the queer community and, and you know, versus of violence? So, yeah, I, I, I would like to educate. That's kind of my main thing. Yeah. Rob, as the assistant director, what about you? What is the message or thought you're hoping that audiences will take away from Company of Man? Well, it's similar. You know, I think representation matters. And seeing that story and seeing this amazing composer with the older couple with Benjamin Britten and, and Peter, seeing that couple and knowing what they both accomplished in their lives. And then also knowing that they were a queer couple that had to stay in hiding, you know, that matters. I think that matters. And again, for the same reasons Ashley says, it matters for someone to see that and say, oh, you know, I'm a composer, I'm queer. I can, you know, I, I can relate to that story. Uh, and it's a beautiful story. And it's also, again, it's a tragic story. And and what I, I guess what I, what connected me to this story is, I think I mentioned this before, is how the themes of Ben and Peter, the older couple, are still present today in the, the college age couple. And how do they tackle that? We always talk about how far we've come, but without knowing the history and, and the real history of, of what was happening in the past, I still don't think we can move forward in a, in a really productive way. If these stories, if the truth was told, for example, about Britain when I was in school, I would know that truth and then be able to navigate God, even my artistic life in a different way. So to hide those those truths, you know, imitation game again, we shouldn't have to wait for a movie to come out to realize that that these people existed in, in, in the queer community, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me ask all of you, what was your favorite moment in the play? Oh, I'd, I'd love to hear from Jake first, actually. <laughs> yeah, my favorite moment, I guess, or maybe favorite scene, perhaps, would have to be towards the end of the play, there was a scene called A Boy Was Born. And that really happens, I think, in the like, last 15, 20 minutes of the whole show. And so you see Mark and Joe, the present day couple, go through a lot. I mean, you see them first meet each other and then... You know, Joe Grusso, a whole experience, Mark rehashes a lot of stuff that went on with his childhood that affected who he became today. And you see them in the scene kind of finally, you know, come together and they break down all these walls and barriers that they've been holding up and they come together in this really beautiful way. Wonderful. I love that. Ashley, Rob, which one of you would love to go next? I'll go because Jake stole my answer. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it, so I'm glad I got it. No, it's it's it makes sense that you, yeah, it's it's a great scene. As Mark was saying, it's you know this kind of 
accumulation of what these two characters have been building toward throughout the, the all of act one and two. And it's it's the last scene we see of Mark and Joe together. Um, so it's this almost like period at the end of the sentence. And there are these two really crucial lines. The two lines are, you know, there the, these two characters, Joe has been assaulted at this point. You know, they're kind of amidst these trial proceedings. And Joe tells Mark, I just feel so out of control. And Mark asks the question, what can I do, Joe, to give it back to you? And you know, spoilers, right? But Joe essentially makes this romantic move and the two have, like Jake was saying, this really beautiful romantic moment. And for me, that scene is really important for a few reasons. The main being that those two lines are pulled directly from life. I know Jake was saying that we had a lot of conversations about which moments were, you know, expounded upon and which moments were very truly, you know, experiences that I had had with my close friend. And so those two lines being truthful, you know, that was a really vulnerable moment for my close friend. And I think what became a really crucial moment, you know, in this, what became this journey toward healing. So, you know, it's, it's has that personal kind of connotation in that sense. But on the other side of things, it pulls from this really important theme in the play of control. And with control, sexual violence and prejudice both sort of boil down to control, you know, which social groups are in control, which are being controlled, and, you know, what sort of negative and, you know, violences result from that imbalance of power. And, in Mark and Joe's case, and this is sort of key, is that when when Mark allows Joe to experience queerness in a way that is consensual, Joe is able to, you know, reclaim his relationship with that identity and shed, you know, this sort of prior negative experience. And, you know, the way the scene was acted and intimately directed, I know we had we had a lot of kind of pre-work that went into ensuring that, you know, the message and and the personal, you know, and the truth of this scene came out. And, you know, Jake and Jack, I will applaud you all for for years to come because it it just landed so, so beautifully. And, you know, getting to see that also ending, I was able to watch the show with my close friend. And that moment was, you know, of course, very, very strong in both of our hearts. So that by far. <laughs> it's certainly a favorite. It makes sense, Jake, why you feel the same. But if I had to choose a different one, I'll be original. It would probably be Winter Words, which is also a, a final scene between Benjamin and Peter at the end of their lives, which is another tearjerker, of course. <laughs> yeah. That. And then Rob, Rob, what about you? What was your favorite moment in the show? Well, I think I'm going to go in, it's an opposite direction. So I, I for me, it's it was both it was both couples the introduction the meeting so the meeting of Ben and Peter I loved and the meeting between Mark and Joe and so those were my favorite moments in the play because it's one of, you know it makes me smile when I think about it Ben and Peter and the way they met and it's it's cute and it's funny and it's interesting you know, it's just like when you meet anybody that you're attracted to for the first time. Maybe, you know, when you met your wife for the first time, Andrew, it's, you know, it's that you remember that moment when you meet that person, how that person made you feel. And so you could see that and feel that on stage. The actors did such a great job of of recreating that kind of feeling that I think everyone could relate to. And so those were my favorite because I could relate to them. I could relate, oh, these are two people meeting for the first time and they are so funny. You know, <laughs> when Jake and Jack, and when they, <laughs> when you guys met, and <laughs> hilarious, yeah. So those, those are my favorite. The meeting of the couples, yeah. 
That is fantastic. I love. See, this is making me want to see the show even more. Just loving that. Well, rounding out the first part of the interview, Jake, I want to ask you, who do you hope have access to Company of Man? Sure. Yeah, I, I think for me, I mean, going on what Ashley and Rob were saying about education and uh, I guess exposure, I think it would be for young queer people. As a 20-something-year-old queer man, <laughs> I think, you know, growing up, I think that was that part of me was something I was afraid of, unsure of, didn't have the proper role models or education. I guess really at the media at large to speak about that. And I think especially growing up as an actor and male presenting person, you are taught to kind of like, for lack of better words, like beat the gay, beat the queer out of you, or else like you'll never work, you'll never do anything, you'll never have parts where I think now there are so many roles being written for LGBTQ queer people that for young queer people to see that and experience that and say, hey, that person I can relate to on stage, that person's a working actor, I can do this. I think it's really important to me. change things up now for the second part and let our listeners get to know all of you a little bit better and i want to start by asking all of you what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or some of your favorites and ashley why don't we start with you as our playwright and director Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about the educational value of theater, specifically queer theater. I'm a big fan of Angels in America. I think Tony Kushner took this really blunt, very personal approach to the AIDS crisis. So I think that achieves a lot. And I learned, again, some more there that I didn't learn in school. I am a huge fan of A Raisin in the Sun. That was one of the first plays I read when I was kind of early getting into theater. And I named my first car after Lorraine Hansberry. <laughs> and uh, little known fact, actually, Hansberry identified as, as a lesbian. So she was one of the first queer women to have her play on Broadway. And I know Rob was talking about intersection, uh, intersectionality. And I think um, it's there's some really beautiful queer complexities in that play that work in conjunction with the more prominent themes of racial prejudice. So I'm a huge, huge fan of that. But I mean, the cheesy answer is people, the people in my life, but that's also a very solid answer. I think it's important to, I think it was Rob that told me once in one of our classes to act from life, which is great advice. And I think that I do a lot of writing from life and I think that's equally as powerful. Love that. Love, love that list. Jake, what about you? Yeah, I think one of my big ones of the past maybe five years has been the filmmaker Ari Aster. He did Hereditary, Midsommar, among other things. I've always been such a big fan of like horror and thriller movies. And I remember, I feel like we all had like a moment growing up, like you're with your mom and dad at like a show or a movie or something. And you see something that's so inspiring. You're like that. I want to do that. And I remember seeing Hereditary in college, that film, which if you've not seen, would highly recommend. <laughs> and seeing that with my friends in college. And I turned to them and I was like, I want to do that. That looks crazy. I just love the way he's able to root these stories that he tells in reality and the relationships with the people and family, you know, tragedy. And then he adds these like, ex you know, extraordinary and like fantastical elements and able to merge those together in a way that's tangible, which I feel like is very cool. And my other one, 
I think would have to be Stephen Sondheim. I think he's such an amazing lyricist, composer, love his musicals. And I think growing up, I didn't really appreciate it as much. I know my college did Company when I was a freshman and I saw it and I was like, I like this. I think it's good, but like, I don't, I can't really relate to it. We're now like living in New York City for a while, like getting a bit older, maturing the themes and storytelling he brings. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. And it's amazing. Yes. We love the late, great Stephen Sondheim. That's a great, great choice. Rob, what about you? I think I'm all over the place a little bit. I came to the arts later in life. I have a degree in biology and chemistry, and I work for a pharmaceutical company here in the city. And I think, you know, God bless the pharmaceutical company and all the money they have because they would, I would take people out for dinners and things. And I would take them to say, where do you, where do you want to go? And at the time, Rent was on Broadway. It wasn't the original cast. It was a little later, but I saw that. And I think after I saw Rent, I probably was with that company for about four more months and I quit, joined a theater company, and then I went back to graduate school. And so obviously that had a profound effect on my life. Yeah, and then I'm also a big fan of Shakespeare. And so I chose a grad school that had, that was a classical kind of program. And I went there because I was just, I was like, okay, teach me this. I want to learn all about what this is. And I think it's come full circle because the last two years I've been working on Othello in a way. We're working on, called Untitled, the Untitled Othello Project. But we're looking at, at Othello and Shakespeare and trying to tackle the subject of race and how race is things that I, I didn't even know, you know, that I didn't realize as a black actor and I'm learning and I'm like, my gosh, how did I never know this? And it's what Ashley was talking about. I didn't know because it was never taught. I never knew that people would, everyone called, calls Othello more when he's not there, but in, to his face, they always call him Othello. It's something as simple as that, which to, in Shakespeare's credit was purposeful. So, you know, he's, they're basically calling, calling him Negro behind his back and then calling him Othello to his face. And so things like that, it's fascinating to me. So, I'm, you know, the classics are really, really important to me. Chekhov, Moliere. Love that. Love that. Great answer. Well, let me ask you all my favorite question to ask our guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? I would say, ironically, my first one, actually. My first experience with live theater, participating in live theater, was back in high school. New Bedford High School. Shout out to Sarah Kadju. And I, I had a lot of uh, fun doing theater in high school, but I was 14 and we were working on Fiddler, which is a great show. And it was... 2017, uh, which was right around the time of the Syrian refugee crisis, which I think happened in 2016. And if you know Fiddler, you know, it's, you know, pretty politically charged. It essentially ends with this Jewish family being forced from their, their home in Russia as part of, you know, this very discriminatory set of laws. And being with the, you know, the kind of recent crisis there, my director, Sarah Kadju, made this creative choice to add on the short sequence at the end of the show. So the family exits off stage and they're being, you know, kind of evicted and they re-enter at what was suggested to be a modern day border crossing. And it had, you know, the lights and, you know, the kind of stand and the way that that looks. And 
you know, that was an attempt to make a, a statement on immigration, which at the time was super topical. And I've always felt really strongly about that. And I know I've talked about, you know, how I appreciate uh, theater for its political, you know, power there. But, you know, even high school theater it has that, you know, ability. And I'm really, really grateful to have been raised in an environment like that. And it it certainly plays a role in how I use theater, you know, company van is very political and even more so sometimes now than when I was writing it. I know there were there were certain scenes with Chris and Josh who played Benjamin and Peter. And there's this moment toward the end of the first act where Benjamin and Peter are accused of pedophilia and queer, queer people have been accused of pedophilia since day one. That's always been around. And Britain did a lot of work with children, did a lot of teaching. And so, you know, of course, what came with that were plenty of rumors and an equal amount of interviews with those students later as adults that, you know, would claim that those relationships were completely innocent. But it was interesting, you know, rehearsing those scenes. And of course, when I had written them, they were, you know, they had they had sort of intention there and prevalence. But even more so when we were rehearsing them, you know, that right now there's this massive, very vocal attack on the transgender community for the same kind of concerns. And they're completely baseless, but, you know, there they are yet again throughout history. We see that. And so I think that theater sort of allows us, has that kind of timeliness that allows us to reference and modernize history in that really, really powerful way through storytelling. And I always, you know, that's me going on and on, but I, I always look back at that production of Fiddler and my experience in high school is very formative and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, so yeah, that's a great memory. Thank you, Kaj. For all you do. <laughs> I love that. Yes, yeah, shout out to theater teachers changing lives every day. What a wonderful memory. Thank you. Who would like to go next? Sure, I'll take it. I think one of my favorite theater memories would have to be one of the first professional productions I did while in college during the summer was a production of Big River the story of Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer. And it was put on at Old Sturbridge Village, Massachusetts, which if you don't know, is like one of those old tiny villages where they have like interpreters there that teach you about like building, you know, houses and like taking care of animals and whatever, one of those. And it was super cool because they did it as an outdoor production that was kind of incorporating their space. And so they had a big river and they built the set like on the river to kind of incorporate with all their stuff. And so that in itself was a really cool and challenging thing. I've never been sweatier and bitten by more many mosquitoes in my life, <laughs> but it was an awesome experience. And they would have, you know, like grade school children during this, this was during the summer where they would come to the village for the day and learn about like Mark Twain and the history and all that. And then that evening they would come and see the show. And then we'd have, you know, a talk back with some of the interpreters about the show and the history. And so that was awesome. And then actually, as we were, as she was talking, I remembered I played Tom Sawyer. And for some reason, like a week into rehearsals, I just had this inkling that for some reason, the way he was written was like kind of queer coded. And his like relationship with Huckleberry Finn felt like a queer relationship. So like, I would kind of infuse things like there's a whole thing with like a fan that he had, you know, doing a thing, clack, clack, clack in it that the director let me really go for it. And I remember I had some friends come and see it and people from the community who were in the queer community saying like, thank you for, you know, showing this and we appreciate all you do. So it was a great experience. It was fantastic. I mean, I'm sorry I had to go through all the mosquito bites to get there, but still. <laughs> I actually, I, I would pop a Benadryl. Two Benadryl every night to get through it because the swelling was so bad. 
and my liver will never thank me. I'm just amazed that you made it through without falling asleep. I mean, I pop, I pop one Benadryl, I'm done. <laughs> well, Rob, what is your favorite theater memory? I think I have to give a shout out to, again, a, a director, Titus Walker. When I first joined a theater company, I joined a theater company in New York called Ujima Black Theater Company. And the only reason I knew about this theater company was late, you know, those late night commercials that come on at like 1 a.m.? And there, it's like a homemade commercial. Well, it's Titus Walker, and he's like, "Come join the Ujama Black Theater Company," and we're doing on, you know, these. And he did musicals, and so I went and auditioned, and he said, "Sure, come on, let's let's do this thing together." And he threw me right on stage. I had never done a play before, and he put me in this role and got me through it. And I really have to thank him for one. It was a blessing to start this off at a black theater company because I felt at home and you know I felt supported and surrounded by other artists who look like me which I didn't see on Broadway necessarily unless I specifically went to a black show and we did plays we did musicals about love we did we did Malcolm X we did you know all all these different kinds of plays we traveled went to St. Croix and and the Bahamas and did shows over there and so you know, he's the reason I went back to school and, and dedicated my life to this. So that that was my my experience. And he was gangster. He was, if you showed up and you didn't know your lines, sit down. And then he would look at another company member and be like, you want this role? Rob, tomorrow he will have this role. Make sure you're to get, you know, you have your lines together. And that really taught me about work ethic. And I really appreciate that. I liked it. That's amazing. That. I feel like that's almost old school directing, but that it was effective it though. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you did not show up without your lines ready. You didn't show up unprepared. So, right. <laughs> well, those were all amazing memories. Thank you all for sharing those. As we wrap things up here, I want to know what's next for company of man. The, I would say that the hope of any off, off Broadway production and we were off, off is to move off Broadway, which I think would be a really nice step for this piece. But I mean, more than anything, I'd, I'd like for the play to be in a place where it's widely accessible. And I think we've kind of talked about the benefits there. So if we can do that, I think that the story and the message can, you know, really work that magic and and have that, you know, broader positive impact. So, you know, in that case, the larger the platform, the larger the reach. But, you know, I wrote I wrote Company of Man to help someone heal. And I'd like to be able to continue to do that if possible. I had another friend, another queer survivor of assault attend the show and he was really inspired by it. And I, it, that was a great experience because I, you know, I, I realized it does have that effect. And, you know, I wrote it for this one, you know, person and it was this personalized, you know, sort of experience there, but that message can have uh, the greater positive impact. So in that sense, really any opportunity is, is a step forward in my book. And if, if one person listens to this podcast and is like, that sounds cool. I, you know, I connect to that and, you know, looks at play and, you know, is able to find some, some peace there. I would say that we're winning. Yes, absolutely. And I have a great feeling that there's going to be life for the show, you know, lots of life after the New York theater festival. Well, finally, if our listeners want more information about company of man or about any of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? 
Absolutely. Yeah. You can visit our brand spanking new website, companyofman.com. And on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at companyofman. And if you need to get in contact with us, social media, or we have an email, companyofmanplay at gmail.com. And you can reach out to me personally on Twitter, Instagram at ASHMCLS or via my email, Ashley M. Coles, that's C-O-W-L-E-S at gmail.com. That's me. I'm easy. My name is Robert Manning Jr. So everything is Robert Manning Jr. So Instagram, Twitter, website, Facebook, Robert Manning Jr. is we'll get you everything robertmannyjr.com robertmannyjr at gmail at robertmannyjr you can find me at jakeblakesley.com or my instagram all social is blake jakesley <laughs> play on that <laughs> well ashley rob jake thank you all so much for taking the time to speak with me today and sharing this wonderful show this has been amazing. So thank you all so much. Thank you. We're thank you. so, thank so you. grateful for the opportunity. It. Thank you. My guests today have been the playwright and director, Ashley M. Coles, the assistant director, Rob Manning Jr., and the performer, Jake Blakesley, who recently put up the show Company of Man at the New York Theater Festival. This is a wonderful show and one that when it gets put up again, you will not want to miss. We have a myriad of contact information, not only for the show, but for these wonderful artists that we'll be including in our episode description, as well as on our social media posts. But in the meantime, if you have the chance to see the production of Company of Man, don't miss out. It's an incredible show. And make sure you check out Ashley, Rob, and Jake any chance you get. They've got wonderful projects in the work. Let's make sure to support these great, great artists. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. The lights of old Broadway.